may be seated. And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks here, the grace of God and how it works in our life. I'm wondering how many of you um, have a goal that you've set, uh, some kind of a goal that you're reaching for, something that you want to accomplish. Uh, maybe you want to pay off a car loan by the end of the year. Any kids that wanted to get a blue ribbon at the fair? I don't know. Do you go to the fair, Lexi? Not so much, huh? Anybody got a project you've started that you've got a goal, you're going to finish it by... Any goals? Any goals? All right. <laughs> this is good. I was starting to get scared. September 30th, which is? Kent's retirement. All right. Yes, that's a goal. All right. Other goals? Anybody want to share a goal? Becky? Get a car by the end of this week. Does that include selling the truck that I saw? Okay. So, yeah. All right. All right. We got a 4 by 4 truck for sale right over here. What? Oh, for sure, yeah. Mike has a goal of getting running water in the bathroom of the township hall, and I, I bet they appreciate that. Can you get it in the free store? At the <laughs> get practiced up over there, go to the free store, get us some running water. All right. Well, goals are important, right? Uh, if we don't have goals, then we just tend to drift day to day, and then someday we wake up and we realize that we have not done some things that could have enriched our life or the life of others or brought glory to God in some way. And Scripture says that God has a goal for our lives and for our church. And it's found very clearly in uh, several passages, but we're going to look at one in Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's also going to be on the screen. And in this passage, we find God's so that statement. Uh, we've been writing our so that statements for all of our ministries. This is one of God's. And he says, So Christ gave himself, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What a goal. What a wonderful, wonderful goal. That's God's goal for us as a church. It's his goal for us as individuals that we become one, that we become mature in Christ, attaining to the whole measure, not just a portion, not just a partial measure, but a, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's goal is that we grow up in Christ and become more and more like his son. Uh, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror 
<laughs> we missed something there. We are all being transformed into the same image. All of us are being transformed into the same image. We're moving towards the goal of maturity in Christ. We're growing in grace. Uh, how many of you as kids, as you were growing up or possibly uh, you did this uh, with your children as they were growing up, but somewhere in the house or the garage there's a wall where there's some lines where as they grew you made a little mark, you know, you put the book in and traced a line across there and kept track of their growth. Did anybody do that or have that done as you were growing up? All right, yeah. And the wall, that wall, you know, it never got painted over, right? Because you're keeping track of their growth. And we expected to see growth. If there wasn't growth, then something was wrong. And those marks were evidence or indications that you were maturing, that you were growing. And as Christ's followers and children of God, we should be able to see growth. We should uh, be growing to maturity. And like that wall in the garage, there are some marks or some indicators that we can use as plumb lines or gauges. And we're going to talk about three of those this morning. These are ways that we can both assess how we're doing in our growth and also we can feed our faith so that we continue to grow in grace, that we're growing to maturity in Christ. These are actions that we can take. So if you want to pull out your message notes, uh, we're going to look at uh, those three things. But first, I want to talk a little bit about this series. In this series, we've been looking at three outcomes of the grace of God at work in our life, three outcomes of God's forgiveness and grace. And I've printed those in your notes again. When you say yes to Jesus, when you ask him to be a part of your life, to come into your life, give your life to him, uh, we receive, first of all, a new standing with God and new life in Christ. We talked about this the first week, that this is justification. Um, all of our sins are forgiven, washed away. As far as the east is from the west, they're removed from us. It's just as if we've never sinned. And because of this, we have a new standing with God. We're no longer enemies of God. We're no longer uh, alienated and strangers to God. We are his children. He's brought us near. So we have this new standing, and that's justification. And then at the very moment that we are justified in God's sight, he also regenerates us, right? Regeneration, we talked about that, and that's to be made new. You're a new creation. He doesn't just forgive the past. He regenerates us, makes us a new kind of being that is able to uh, live the new life that he's given us. The old is gone. The old nature is gone. The new nature has come. And because of all this, then we have freedom from guilt and shame of sin. And this is the assurance that we talked about last week when we talked about our baptism and how when we remember our baptism, that we have died with Christ, we've been raised to him, we, are, we have that assurance of salvation in Christ. And then the last one, the third one, the one that we're talking about this week, is the power to live a life that's pleasing to God. We receive the power through the Holy Spirit to grow to maturity in Christ. Um, God wants us to grow up. And he gives us everything that we need to grow to maturity in Christ. 
look at this passage from Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. And there's another big theological word for this, and this is, you know, that goes with this uh, uh, ability, the power to please God, and that's sanctification. Uh, so we've got justification, regeneration, and then sanctification. This is sanctifying grace. And sanctification, simply put, is that process of becoming more and more like Christ. It's becoming perfected in our love. And when you ask Jesus into your life, he gives you his Holy Spirit. He lives in you through his Spirit, and he begins to work in you uh, as you cooperate with his Spirit. So it's not like he cleans you up and then says, okay, now go try to be good. He gives you the power to do that through his Spirit. And it's kind of like this. Um, has anybody ever had a bad restaurant experience? Yeah, either the, the service was bad or the food was not so good. Um, there's a restaurant, uh, Arby's restaurant, which shall remain nameless. It's not the one in Battle Creek, but that Forrest and I went to, and um, I got food poisoning. I was so, so sick. And yet a year or two later, I, I thought, well, it was just a fluke, and we went back there, and I got sick again. And I'll tell you what, we never go to that. I like Arby's. We go to other Arby's, but we never go to Arby's at that location. And um, when Forrest and I moved to Kentucky uh, so that I could go to seminary down there, the uh, first night there, some of our friends and family had gone with us to help us get moved into our apartment. So we all went out to eat in Lexington. And while we were eating, this cockroach about that big went scrambling across the table. And in the three years that we were there, we never went back to that particular restaurant again. Now, usually, if you have a bad experience like that in a restaurant or a business, you, you just don't go back, right? Uh, you don't want to be vocal about it or rude about it, but you just don't go back. And, but there's one thing that might change that. We are usually willing to give a business another try if they put a sign out front that says under new management, right? <laughs> if there's a new person in charge and a new manager can make all of the difference, right? A new manager comes in, they begin to change all the things that were wrong, they reupholster the torn booths, they raise the expectations of the staff, they renovate the kitchen and clean it, they polish the floors, they create a new business out of an old one, right? And when we become Christians, we are essentially, from that point on, under new management. Jesus comes into our life, just as we had asked him to do, and he begins to rearrange some things. Uh, he doesn't leave the cockroaches and the inch-deep deep grease on the grill. His Holy Spirit be, excuse me, begins to work in us to transform us from the inside out to be the people that God created us and recreated us to be. He remakes us in the image of God. But unlike justification and regeneration that happen in an instant, 
Sanctification, this process of becoming like Christ, is just that. It's a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it's an ongoing process, and there are things that we can do to help that process along. So this morning, we're going to look at three of those, three ways that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit that's in our lives to bring about these things in our life. All right, so three actions that will help us grow in grace and become more like Christ. The first is to use the means of grace. Now, uh, this sermon series is a little bit theological. It's a little deeper than some of the things that we talk about, but uh, not deeper, but using some big theological words, which I usually try to stay away from. But the means of grace, uh, uh, what is that, right? Well, have you ever heard the saying, it, it was a means to an end, or a means to an end? Uh, you've heard that, right? And a means to an end is the means by which we reach a desired goal or a desired end result. The means to the end are the resources or the steps that we take or the actions that are needed in order to accomplish uh, a desired outcome. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, taught that God has given us the means. He's given us the resources that we need to grow in grace. We have everything we need to become more like Jesus. And he listed these means or these resources of grace as scripture, prayer, worship, Christian community or conferencing, and fasting. These are the ways, these are the means that God has given us to grow and mature in Christ. And as you read scripture, as you pray, as you come into worship and hear the word of God spoken, as you meet with others in small groups and, and get with other Christian friends who are further along the road than you are or some who are just starting out and remind you of the passion that you had when you first came to Christ, the Holy Spirit uses all of these things to grow us up in Christ. Now, have you ever noticed how God doesn't make us use these means of grace? He doesn't make us do these things. It's a choice. And you know when you're a baby or, or a toddler, you spend a lot of time being carried around, right? Or uh, in the high chair being fed, spoon-fed, you know? You open wide and just get in there. And, or in the, like the pack-and-play where everything is safe and mom gives you, you know, the goldfish crackers to keep you happy. When you first come to faith in Christ, we're like babies in the faith, and we're spiritually just crying out for someone to feed us. And we're hungry for spiritual milk, and that's okay. But at some point, you have to grow up, right, and take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for your own growth. And one of the ways that we do that is by using the means of grace opening the Bible and daily and reading it, praying, having a prayer life, spending time in worship, joining the small group like the spiritual gifts class so you can understand how God's wired you and uniquely gifted you, um, and getting around other Christians who will help you in your faith walk. And as we do these things, we mature 
in Christ. And um, we can live a life that's pleasing to God as we come to know what he, uh, how he's created us, well, how he's developed and developed that relationship with Jesus that we need to experience his leading and his power in our life. And then the second way that we can grow in grace is to discover and use your spiritual gifts to build up the church and glorify God. In this passage that we just read in Ephesians 4, um, Paul says that God has given people gifts so that the church gets built up and everyone grows to maturity in Christ. And you know, we're all born with intrinsic gifts, things that we love to do, things that we do well. Some of you, uh, you know, are musicians and you can just pick up a music instrument and make music come out of it. Uh, some of you are just natural whizzes at math and for others, mechanical things come easy. That's, you know, give me a engine and I know what to do with it, not me, but others. And uh, they're just these natural enablings. God gives us each at least, um, he just creates us that way. Some people love to cook or work with wood. And these are the things that we do and we're passionate about them. And the thing is, before we come to faith in Christ, we tend to use those things for our own purposes and to build ourselves up and to bring glory to ourselves. But when we become a Christ follower, follower, everything changes. Now our life is about Christ and bringing glory to him. And so the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us about using those gifts for God's glory, but also he gives us spiritual enablings, at least one spiritual gift. Every person has at least one spiritual empowering that enables us to do things that we can only do because God is enabling us to do those things. And Paul says in this passage and elsewhere that the purpose of these spiritual gifts is for the building up of the church so that we all grow to maturity in Christ. We need each other in order to grow up in Christ. And, you know, you may think that your gifts uh, are not significant or they're not well enough developed or something to be used. But in my years in ministry, I've seen that God can use whatever he chooses. Uh, I was, as I was writing this, I was remembering a time in uh, our first church, uh, Comstock, when we first came, uh, the only music was uh, provided by an organist who was in his late 80s, and he had glaucoma. So uh, he, uh, on one particular Sunday, he had played all sharps instead of flats because he, and it just you know wasn't good that day. Um, but everything was always slow. Whether it was a fast, upbeat song or a slow song, it was deadly, deadly slow. And I remember on this one particular Sunday, the closing hymn was, Here I Am, Lord. And you know how that kind of repeats, and it's kind of tricky the way that the um, Jan's nodding over here uh, to, to follow it. And he was really, really struggling with it, and it was barely recognizable what song it was. And the congregation was having trouble singing, and it was just going terrible and I was embarrassed because we had guests that day 
And yet, at one point in the service, I looked out, uh, locating the faces of those guests, and there was a man in his 60s who was weeping. He was holding his hands in his face, uh, his face in his hands, and he was just bawling. And I thought, either he's a musician, <laughs> or the Holy Spirit is at work here. And I went down into my, to my office afterwards, and I wrote on a little post-it note, the Holy Spirit was powerful among us, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.4. And the Holy Spirit is powerful. He can use our most eager, meager offerings if we have the faith to offer them. And as we use our gifts, uh, we all grow to maturity in Christ. And God grows our confidence and our faith in him. And we get the joy of seeing God use us in wonderful ways. And then the third way that we grow to grace is by extending grace to others. It's really through this costly, hard work of forgiveness that we learn to forgive just as God forgave us through Jesus Christ. Uh, look at Colossians 3. 13, where Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and I think that this might be the most difficult work of becoming like Christ, uh, especially if you've been hurt in profoundly deep ways by someone. But forgiving is one of the evidences that we really ex have experienced the grace of God, that we understand the depth of what Jesus went through uh, for our sins. It, it shows that we get the grace that Jesus showed us, that it was costly, and we're willing to follow in his steps. Forgiveness is costly, but not as costly costly as withholding it. When we withhold grace, bitterness creeps in. It damages relationships. It damages marriages. And the result in the church is that instead of everyone getting built up, there's divisions, there's hostilities, there's segregated units, and the church is torn apart and broken. The writer of Hebrews gives us these instructions. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We grow in grace as we extend grace to others. And you know, as you listen to this sermon today, uh, it may explain some things because I think that we all know Christians who aren't being transformed at all. Um, the new creation acts a lot like the old creation, and that's because they aren't cooperating with the new management. Uh, they want to run their business the old way, even if it dies, even if it produces the same dead-end results in their relationships and in their finances and in their lives. And some Christians uh, get saved, and they think that that's all there is to it. Now they've got their asbestos underwear. I'm going to heaven when I die. They accept Jesus as Savior, but never allow him to be Lord. But God wants so much more for us. He created us good, 
and he wants to remake us good, like his son Jesus. And our new manager has a big dream for our lives. And God is very actively working in your life to complete the work that he began in you when he gave you life in Christ. He's given us everything that we need to continue to grow into the likeness of his son Jesus. And he promises if we complete, that he will complete the work that he's begun in us. Look with me at Philippians 1.6. And this is our memory verse, so let's um, read it not only together, but to each other as we conclude the series this morning. Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. Yes, he will. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your grace that you've shown to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the faith to receive it. And I pray for anybody here this morning who hasn't taken that step, that they would, God, trust you, that they would step into life in Christ that's new and that... Um, gives them a new standing with you, but also the power to live a life pleasing to you. And I, and I just, if there's anybody here like that this morning and you want to ask Christ to come into your life and live for him, would you just pray this simple prayer? Jesus, I accept what you've done for me on the cross. I know that I need your forgiveness. And I ask you to come into my life right now to, to clean me up and to make me to stand in you. In that I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in the